This is Culturally Attuned. Brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace in partnership with Burning Man Project. I personally decide I'm the hero. Well, then everyone else is either the enemy or someone to be saved. How can we collaborate across cultures in a manner that honors the agency and capacity of local communities? I'm Dominic Curley, and today we hear from Christopher Breedlove of Burners Without Borders and co-producer of Culturally Attuned. Christopher has traveled the world visiting the organization's community-based projects that aim to create social change. Christopher explains how Burners Without Borders uses human-centered design for projects to mitigate disasters, support refugees, and help resolve conflicts. He shares why being culturally aware is so critical to their global volunteers, and how situational awareness and local knowledge help create conditions where better choices can be made. Burners tend to be a very interesting type of person. And some of the things that are our strengths can also be our weaknesses. And so part of our culture is very about do-it-yourself, duocracy, immediacy, radical self-reliance, as well as communal effort. And so a lot of times it means that our community is ready to stand up and try it. You know, we also have a lot of influence from uh, the tech sector. And so there's a lot of the move fast and break things, uh, you know, try it first, ask for permission later, uh, you know, as well as just innovation thinking, you know, just wondering why systems that don't work haven't been fixed. And so let's fail fast, fail often and, and kind of stumble our way into progress. And when you're developing software or hardware, those are amazing tenants with not a lot of danger. But when you're working with other communities, communities, that's where it can become very, very dangerous. But a lot of times we haven't been trained in how to introduce ourselves into these other communities. We haven't necessarily been trained in in how to, to listen in that sort of a context. Sometimes we enter into these situations, and of course, there's a lot of cultural blindness. And so then when we arrive, there's some things that we didn't think about, or maybe something we do or say isn't uh, seen in, in the light that it was meant, or is just kind of culturally offensive for some sort of a reason. And so how do we just make it less likely that that's going to happen? It's uh, learning that you need to listen for a while before you say very much. And that you have to go and talk to people and really understand what they're going through and the complexities of their situation because it's easy to assume from the outside. And, and that's where a lot of problems inherently come from is, is from your assumptions um, or from moving too quickly and not taking the time. You know, from my experience in the civic engagement, non-for-profit, social impact world is that, you know, we want results and we want them fast you know we want to change things we want to prove to people that this is the way but it 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 again human-centered design is a slower process and i think that's why a lot of people don't do it is because it's hard <laughs> you know it takes time and it takes conversation and it takes 
true listening and empathy to be able to do it. But again, if you're if you're truly getting into that learning and empathetic space with others, you're going to realize that there were incorrect assumptions on whatever you thought a solution or a project might be. It's just inherent as an outsider. You're not going to design a perfect process from the get-go. And so how can we, instead of trying to implement something and learning that there's assumptions or, or, or falsities within it, how can we do that at the beginning so that we don't, you know, risk damaging or, or hurting a situation or people um, with those assumptions? And again, to me, so much of that really comes into the concept of human-centered design. For me, that's one of the paramount values of what we do at Burners Without Borders is really making sure that we take the time to listen and that we take the time to design a project or a solution with the local stakeholders. Because when the local stakeholders are designing the project with you, there's a sense of empowerment and ownership, and it's amazing how it can get integrated into a community very, very quickly. Doing our homework and learning about the local culture before arriving in country can be of benefit. Successful civic engagement also means checking our biases, as Christopher learned firsthand while running a grant program in France. I went out to a refugee camp in France, uh, in Calais, called The Jungle. And The Jungle is uh, was a informal encampment uh, and and it was a very very fascinating place. It had people from you know over a dozen different countries and different religions, different viewpoints. And the reason people had ended up there is that Calais is the closest place on mainland Europe you can get to the UK. And so everyone was trying to get to the UK. And when I went, which I want to say was in 2016. Um, there had been a large amount of money invested in keeping people out of the UK. And so there were large fences and there were security forces and they had shut down a lot of the ways that people had been smuggling themselves uh, across the border. And I had so many aha moments uh, that week we spent in that camp. I, it really blew me away and it really affected who I am and, and, and what I'm working on in the world, honestly. And I, I, I care very much about what's going on with the global refugee population that I believe is like 75 million people at this point. But one of the things that was happening was one of the projects I was working on was building out a youth center. And so we were building out a youth center and it was going to have a pool table someone had donated and like a punching bag so that people could like get out their aggression and just a, a safe place for kids to hang out really what it was. And while I was working on this project, people kept on coming up to me and asking to borrow my tools. They wanted to borrow my hammer. They wanted to borrow my drill. They wanted to borrow my saw. They didn't need me. They wanted my tools. <laughs> and that was a big aha moment. And I would really say a aha moment of ignorance. It was like, oh, of course, these people used to be doctors and engineers and contractors themselves, and they can fix their own problems. But what don't you bring when you smuggle yourself across the European continent for whatever reason you decide to go is heavy stuff like tools. And so when their trailers were broken, how could they fix them? They didn't have those things. 
And so that was just this huge aha moment was that maybe the best thing to do in situations like this is to provide people with what I, I've kind of coined the tools of empowerment, the ability to fix their own issues. I don't necessarily have to be there. It's not about me. It's about giving people access to be able to solve their own problems. In Calais, Christopher's preconceptions about refugees were stripped away. So were his culturally based beliefs about change and human agency. The experience led him to re-examine his own biases. And, and in spending time with, with these people who just overall were the most welcoming and, 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 and warm, vibrant, and, and against all the odds, many times optimistic people. You know, walking through the camp, people just kept on coming out and being like, oh, hi, who are you? What's going on? Da, da, da. Like, would you come to my tent and have some tea? You know, it's like, wait, you're, you're inviting me to have tea with you right now. I mean, you're offering me a gift in, in, in this space. I mean, the, there were just so many moments with people like that where they just wanted to connect. And I think in so many ways, they wanted to share their story because they feel unseen and unheard, many of, of the people who are living in these encampments. And so by connecting and by sharing their stories, they think that story gets out there and that maybe something will change. And, and, and for me, the work that I am trying to do uh, in interacting with the, the migrant and refugee crisis is happening is helping change that narrative, is helping get some of these voices out, is showing some of the amazing things that are happening in, in these places, despite the conditions. And, and I think that's one other thing I guess I could say I learned was that how humanity persists in the face of great trials. In, in Calais, I was blown away at what people were building. People had built restaurants and people had built cafes and people had built a bar and there was a mosque and there was a church. There was even a barber shop with like a, a quote unquote bathhouse in the back and they would heat up water in these big buckets and you could pour it over your head and kind of like a, a washing sauna sort of an experience with steam. It's like, and, and like when you're in the salon, you're looking at the chairs people are sitting on and these chairs are literally like one by one posts, you know, like ramshackled together with cardboard as the fabric stapled into it so that people don't fall through it. But it works, right? Like it works. And, and I was just so amazed at the industriousness and the innovation, not innovation, but like the creative thinking and, and the solution minded, minded state of, of the people who were living there. They were trying to make the most human and positive experience they could in a very difficult and, and you know, in a lot of ways, dangerous situation. We asked Christopher what skills are needed for community-based initiatives to succeed across cultures. I think number one is listen. You know, like take the adequate amount of time to listen. You know, it's you may have ideas, you may have things to add, but oftentimes listening for a while will not only allow the other person to feel heard, which is incredibly important, but will often allow you to have the learnings to speak better.
So for me, number one is, is, is always listen. Um, number two is, and this I think is a lot of, is a lot harder to do, but it's, it's check your own biases, you know, like just remember that when you're working with people from other cultures, you have deep cultural differences. And, and I think that those go into the stories we were told when we were young, which goes into how we view the world. And that's who we are in the world and who you are in the world is how is what changes the character of everybody else around you. If I personally decide I'm the hero, well, then everyone else is either the enemy or someone to be saved. You know, if I decide that I'm the person with the solution, then everybody else must not be. Right? It's all about my perspective of who I am that changes others. And so check your bias of, of what you're coming in with um, because we're all doing it to each other all the time and we're, we're not seeing people fully as who they are most of the time. We're seeing them as a reflection of, of through of who we see we are. With number three, uh, I think that it's as much as you can is remember that a lot of it's not personal. It's like when, when you run into issues, uh, try and remove yourself from that situation and, and, and don't take it personally. Um, communication isn't easy and uh, social work isn't easy. Uh, working cross-culturally uh, with people who you don't know isn't easy. And so when you run into problems, just don't take it personally. You know, I think that's when you go back to those first two, which is you listen and then check your biases and then, then, then what, right? It's because we can all take things personally because sometimes they feel that way. And then when you emotionally react to something, then that creates a cycle of, of emotion. And then we're not speaking about what we were just a few minutes ago. I think self-awareness is the other side of the coin, right? It's like not only do you have to be aware of the other culture that you're entering into, but then you have to be aware of your own culture because you're bringing in a bunch of baggage too. And I think maybe that's the piece that's a little bit harder to do because it you can go online and you can research, okay, I'm, I'm going to go into this culture. What's going on? What's the history? What's the food like? What are the customs? You know, you can learn all these little nuances, but it's a lot harder to Google search, what's my own bias? It's a lot harder to say, what are my own blind spots? And so that's where self-awareness comes in. You have to spend the time to kind of figure out what are the corners that it's hard for you to see around? And we call them blind spots. And so obviously it's not easy to find them. You know, how, how do you become aware of what you don't yet know? And so that is the work of self-awareness. And, and I think that anybody who wants to go into the field and I think anybody who wants to work with people, whether it's in your own culture or another one, you know, developing a strong sense of self-awareness will make that work go that much better for you. When we take time to reflect, we become more self-aware. And as we become more conscious of the hidden aspects of culture, its unspoken values and beliefs, 
we can more easily see how culture and preconceptions drive our behavior. And that, in turn, helps us anticipate where we may stumble when crossing cultures. What assumptions have you made when working with people from a different cultural background? How can you avoid these blind spots in the future? Thanks for listening to this episode of Culturally Attuned. I'm Dominic Curley at the United States Institute of Peace, and thanks to our partner, Burning Man Project.